Welcome to the Fit360 podcast. In this podcast, you'll hear from the top personal trainers and respected wellness practitioners in the space. They'll be talking about stuff like how moving your body is essential to a robust well-being, how to age with strength and with grace, how to nourish your mind and body through good nutrition versus the latest fad diets, and so much more. If you want a deep dive into a lifestyle of trainers and those who assist in true healthcare, then you're in the right place. This place was created for you to help you improve your future well-being. Back at it again with Fit360 Podcast. Welcome, family. Today, man, I have a special guest here. Is uh, We're going to kick it, vibe out today. Vibe out. And uh, see what kind of conversation we can have that can benefit you guys. You know what I mean? I want to welcome you guys to this amazing conversation between me, Fitz, and Tori. So Tori, man, tell the people a little bit about yourself. Uh, a little bit about me. Well, I'm a, I'm one of the fitness trainers here out of Fit360. Uh, I'm a native, which is somehow I'm, I'm learning to be quite odd and a rarity. Even though we're in Atlanta, a lot of people, when I tell them I was born actually in Atlanta, they'd be like, man, you were born here? Like, yeah. You should expect to see people from Atlanta. Like, they're yeah, like, what, oh, what, what, man. what? I don't get it. You know what I think? I think that there was this thing, like when I was coming up, a lot of Atlanta natives left as people was coming in. At least people from my age group. I left in the late 90s. Okay. I joined the army um, back in 1999 after high school. And I guess around that time, it was the height of Atlanta's growth. So a lot of people was coming down here after the 1996. Oh, you're migrating to Atlanta, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I, What time, when, what, what year was that? Um, 96 for the Olympics, but I, I left. Uh, right, it was right after the Olympics, yeah. Yeah, yeah. People Between, came down, the yeah, Olympics yeah. saw they, what Atlanta was about, like, shit, man, I wanna move here. Man, yeah. I had a lot of friends. I met so many people from New York, actually, specifically, that, that live next door to me. Mm-hmm. They're always from New York, and they kind of like inspired me to want to leave me. So you went to the army. What was that like? Uh, the army, you know, it's funny. It was everything that I expected. I know a lot of people, you know, probably have their differences on it, but I didn't even want to join, man. Like my father, like kind of like was the guy that light and like trying to get me to do something constructive. Okay. You know, I wasn't, I didn't grow up wanting to join the military because I wanted to go to art school. I was an artist. Mm. You know, I had, you know, um, Maybe artists the, like painting, illust- illustrator. illustrator. So my, okay. my my specialty in art, artistic um, stuff was comic books and storytelling. Mm-hmm. So coming up, I used I was good at telling stories, and I just illustrate comic books to correlate with the story that I create, cool. just the imagination stuff. So I wanted to go to college. The recruiter told me like, "Yo, and it stands for a couple of years in the army, man. We'll pay for that that um, specialty." Specialty you, you know, nine um, eleven happened. You know, and I really bit the patriotic bug when that happened when the planes flew to the towers oh really? okay, it wasn't okay. it wasn't no i'm gonna do three yeah, years to come on i yeah. like oh, we, we, we we got binges they did they did what right okay i want my slice of history <laughs> and that's how hey, i ain't gonna lie that's the kind of person right that I, I am i would say the army pulled that out of me you were you were already I'm that a, yeah it just, protecting your country and yeah well it's like it's kind of like my my father kind of used to uh um, be, he used to say certain things and stuff. So, you know, kind of, it's kind of like, I, I call it the Mike Tyson theory. If you ever. Say more. So, 
Mike Tyson, as a savage as he was, you remember in the beginning when he was on the custom model, if you watch his right. bio, biopic, he yeah, was I timid. Mm -hmm. Think about it. The Mike Tyson yeah. was timid. Mm -hmm. He didn't even understand like the type of like power he had kind of like just driven inside of him. Mm. So I kind of felt like that in the military because it was people that was my same age, 17, 18, 19, that my people see that like there's like, I need some like growth. I need to be around different people. You like you, like you ain't really getting that from nobody your same age. I was one of them kind of people. Mm. So I kind of had to go, and it, the kick off the ledge had to happen for me to kind of like get in that world in the military and see that that kind of fire that I had in me that I didn't even know. And gotcha. then people say, "See, because I seen it in you when you was a kid, you just got in trouble a lot." Ah, so we need right. to channel that trouble into like some type of structure. So. I'm glad they did that. After I got in, I was proud that I did join the United mm -hmm. States Army. 9-11 you know. happened, so you got a piece of that. You were um, deported? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was in- I was Deployed, in, rather. Deployed, so. yeah. I was um, I was in Korea and during the 9-11. I was over there on a hardship oh, you already you were already overseas? Yeah, yeah, I was okay. overseas. You know, I did my first assignment, I was in Virginia. Uh, this place called Fort Story. According to the recruiter, he was like, man, it's the best kept secret. Because again, you gotta remember, they had to sell the army to me in my living room because I didn't want to go. I wanted to go to the Art Institute. Mm -hmm. They said, man, who's gonna pay for this? This costs more than Georgia Tech. Mm. And then he said, man, I tell you what, man, Virginia Beach, all the girls, nobody in the army can get this assignment, but I'm gonna specifically put in a word for you. So my first assignment was Fort Story was on Virginia Beach, mm -hmm. from 99 to 2001. And was it what he said? Yeah, it was. I almost got married. I almost got true story. What? I would have had a kid and everything. I I, I, I immediately jumped into women. What? Yeah. Because that's what he sold you. That's what he sold me. So your, your mind was already built was, around that. It was it was built. And you were young for the testosterone. Man, hell yeah. Why not? Yo, the culture was very different than Atlanta. Mm -hmm. You know, um, when I got to Virginia Beach, all the women, you know, um, and it just kind of worked. I came down on assignment orders and stuff in my time. A two-year mark hit, I got assignment orders to Texas yeah. for a hood, but I turned it down because, like I said, I was in this relationship with this girl. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't want the Uncle Sam to break me up because they're trying to sign me, send me to Texas. So put in put in a request. Put in a request on my chain of command to stop it. But the problem is, like, my supervisor came to me and said, hey, man, look, the Army, this is the way the Army works. You can, they stop you from going to Texas but they're not gonna stop you from moving. So what now, you're in this, what they call the knees of the army bubble. I'm like, damn, what does that mean? It means you should've went to Texas because now I think the army has said, well, okay, since he don't wanna go to Texas, he's gonna go somewhere, so we're gonna send him to Korea because we need people to go to Korea. Mm. And everybody was telling me how Korea was, uh, it, it was nice. worse. No, yeah. it was worse. It was worse? Yeah, so before 9-11, Korea was still considered like just under your time in combat. Before 9-11, Korea was, you had Germany as an overseas tour, you had Hawaii, and you have Korea. Korea was the closest one to like, um, it's gonna suck before 9 11. Mm. Because, you know, you gotta think about it, it was on a demilitarized zone up the, um, with the North Korea uh, because mm -hmm. of the Korean War. Mm -hmm. So, um, Korea is a hardship tour, you can't get out of it, so I had to go, nevertheless. And I was there when the towers fell. Ah. So I was there from 01 to 02, you know. and. Mm. I wanted more of it, so I re-enlisted to um, a unit called Fort Stewart, Georgia, out of um, outside of Savannah, mm -hmm. which is a mechanized infantry division. And when I got there, I 
reported to um, Savannah in 2002, June. It's crazy, it's 20 years ago. 2002. June, yeah. Uh, my time, also, I did my 13 months in Korea, came back to the States in 2002. At the time, George Bush was um, saying that Fort Stewart out of Savannah, by us being a heavy mechanized infantry division, uh, the biggest one on the east, uh, on the eastern side of the Mississippi, that we was going to spearhead the invasion of Iraq. So we was the first ones in Iraq. Mm, how I, long you were there? George Bush, we was a part of the invasion, what they mm -hmm. call it. Right. Kind of like, that was like seven months. Because mm -hmm. really it was like, it was a time to be determined type of, um, when the war kicked off, the war was the time to be determined. It's like whenever we accomplish what the Pentagon wanted us to accomplish. And that was mm -hmm. to take Saddam's regime out. Mm -hmm. So that, that took, uh, we got there in January, but we was, like I said, we was in the desert from January to March. Yeah. Because at the time, George Bush was still giving Saddam and his regime time to kind of comply with the sanctions. The sanctions, I remember, yeah, yeah. And March 18th. Like, it's kind of like, you know, going to court. Kind yeah. Of thing. yeah. We was in the, we was, in, we was like. Yeah, I was just waiting. Man, we was fighting, we was training, we was doing all kind of like tank, tank, uh, what we call tank tables. Mm -hmm. Like these big. Uh, uh, so what was your rank at that time? Man, I was on the uh, MC. I was an E4, which is a specialist. Okay. You know, um, so I was I was just on the cusp of a sergeant. I wasn't in the leadership position yet. Yeah. You know, so uh, my job was to carry out orders, and I was a petroleum guy. So I don't know if you're familiar with petroleum. Petro yeah, yeah. Uh, fuel, so fuel, fuel. Okay. So tankers. Yeah. Ten ton. That tankers. loads loads up the the fuel. So you like the delivery guy? I was that guy. Okay. And but I was in a um, what they call a combat engineer unit. And combat engineers are, are the guys that breach minefields. So uh, when we was in, in the Kuwaiti desert, uh, we specialized in like, you know, I was kind of cross-training that too. Uh, I was the um, the ordnance liaison. So I had all the um, C4, all the uh, blasting caps, all the like just combat arms, what they mm -hmm, call it. Mm -hmm. And basically like, you know, uh, I was that guy that was in that unit full of like door kickers and trigger pullers, man. And um, that's what those guys, um, did so we had to kind of breach the minefields of from the Kuwaiti desert when George mm. Bush gave us a green light mm. and we went through the desert and um, the first I think two days was um, landmines that was still in the desert this man's mm. desert since Desert Storm so Desert Storm was in 1991 when I when right. we went through so in you had to use those, those things and yeah probes mine probes yeah yeah and they got these things called Miklik so basically on the back of the tank. Uh, Miklik is an acronym. Don't ask me what that. I forget what that means. I ain't asking you nothing, but sir. It's 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 <laughs> like this. It's this long snake. It shoots out. We just call it snake because it has it has several bands of C4. Oh, it's just it's and a, it, a poof, and it shoots out like probably like let's say a hundred yards, and it lands and it detonates everything in its path. Oh shit! And it's then, like a trigger man. It's a trigger thing. That's what it does. And it, it, it creates a path on there. We breached the desert, and we were just just taking out like Saddam man guys throughout the desert, and mm -hmm. up until we got up into the inner city of Baghdad. So, All right. Wow. So, uh, so, so yeah, that was that was fun, man. Yeah. I mean, hey, <laughs> you know, I I never wanted to go to the army. I never had no desire. I hate yeah. guns. <laughs> I don't want to kill nobody. You know, I want to, yeah, I want to, I want to breathe life into people. Um, but I understand that um, things like that is necessary. Um, you know, for whatever reason, it's it's not for me to to even uh, 
figure out or whatever. I'm not a, I'm not into politics. I don't like politics. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know. I just want to live and let live. Yeah. And I understand that there are people out there who wanna don't wanna kill us. And so I'm glad that you guys are there to, you know, to make sure to keep us safe. Yeah. Um, you know, so we can be free, uh, whatever that means in this country. <laughs> and that's, 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 that was what I was gonna get into, man. It's it's, it's funny, uh, Fitz. Like, so I'm a guy. I'm like, I was that kid, always growing up asking questions. Mm-hmm. Arguably, people said I asked too many questions while I was a kid. I was a kid in the kitchen. I was in the car asking questions. They said you asked too much questions. Yeah. Oh man, I hate when parents do that, man. Growing yeah. ups do that to kids. Yeah, man. I've always just wanted to know about stuff. So that's what. No one has ever told me that. Shit. <laughs> you asked too many questions. I, I did the same because I, that's how I knew to fix a lot of stuff, and I was always <laughs> curious about how things work. Exactly, man. And I was uh, mm-hmm. I picked up reading as a child. Mm-hmm. I taught myself a lot of stuff. Because you were curious. Yeah. You wanted to know things, and that's the best way to know things. It's the best way. And you know, at that time, we didn't have um, social, you know, in the internet. It wasn't the internet, it was just really like books, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, to this day, I still kind of keep that's a part of me. Like, I got a library of books. Love to read. Yep. And it's good, man. Not a lot of people like doing that anymore. Uh, it's, it's a loss. Forget about the younger generation. Yeah. They like to read crap. Crap, man. And it's IG (laughs) stories. (laughs) And it's crazy because, you know, like we was talking off camera and stuff, man. Like a lot of these, a lot of other countries are like adopting like the free, the the, the freedom that the West or America has. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it comes with a lot of the the baggage of like, we can kind of have like uh, uh, too much toxicity in the exposure of information. Yeah. Like, little kids yeah yes sir but i would tell you like since the time i was in the army there's a lot of things that i learned and i even questioned that right of I course got, but you have like, to question or like every, work, everything like, you gotta like, question everything man yeah i questioned and you know i got some answers and stuff since the war mm-hmm. you know like i said it's a lot of lessons learned mm-hmm. uh like perseverance type of lessons and stuff about like yourself like i had to learn a lot of stuff even just going through that um that campaign right you know um, life will do that to you and i learned you know more i had a, i had a deeper um, study of like america mm-hmm. studied more american history that i they really didn't talk about too much in school right. just try to figure out those like, are stuff they don't want you to know yeah mm-hmm. um like what's the whole reason why military operations work let's say that mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying or the incentives and stuff of a lot of um stuff but my fitness really took off in Iraq on that first tour in Iraq. Right, so I wanted to come before you get into that. How did you get the drill sergeant position? I wanted to touch on that. Oh, how do I get... You, you, uh, is that correct? You were a drill sergeant? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I put in for that. So it's two ways you can... Um, were you already a sergeant? Yeah, I was a, I was an E6. Okay. This was like years... So like, you have to, have to be a sergeant, then you can put in for becoming a drill sergeant yeah so the minimum actually to be honest with you like they used to i think they changed it but it was a time that the minimum rank requirement was a corporal oh yeah yeah okay and the corporal was like it's like a subordinate of a sergeant but still had kind of like a leadership had leadership duties Mm -hmm. you have corporal sergeant then staff sergeant Mm-hmm. Then you know, sergeant first class and da 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 da. But right. I was already at E six by the time I put in 
for um, drill sergeant. The thing that inspired me about being a, a, a drill sergeant was my drill sergeants when I came, when I joined the army. Oh, your drill sergeant, the one that inspired you to become a drill sergeant? Yep, because okay. by me, I think it has something to do with my personality or people who has a is certain it, kind of personality. Is it a verbal inspire, inspire, firing, uh, inspirement or uh, is a visual thing? Uh, you, want, you like what the command and what he was doing? No, I, I like the, um, it's, it's a good question because I seen a lot of different distinctions in, in leadership style. Uh, like I said, I was very observative, mm -hmm. even from a subordinate position. Mm -hmm. So I used to look at my drill sergeants as uh, sources of inspiration. Like the movies are depicting them to be one way, uh, let's say for lack of better terms, like an a-hole. Right. Mm -hmm. But you have to understand like uh, what's, what's the bottom line up front within a drill sergeant who's in that position. That's a special assignment. Right. And they um I think I know what that is, but if you tell it. There um there there's a certain characteristic of leadership mm -hmm. traits and stuff that they had. Was, I had three drill sergeants. Drill sergeant and I was thinking about this on the way over here. Um drill sergeant uh Fitz, drill sergeant Dawkins, and drill sergeant Patero. Drill sergeant Patero was the singer. Wasn't me. Yeah. <laughs> hey. They know and um he was a quiet professional. He was a Green Beret. Uh, special Forces guy. So I learned that the, um, the senior drill sergeant that was under the hat, he didn't do a lot of yelling like how they did on full metal jackets and stuff. He was a quiet professional. Mm -hmm. His presence, crease uniform, spit shine boots, like I came up under that doctrine. Mm -hmm. So like I said, I'm very observant. Yeah, I'm very big on presentation. Yeah, so you feel like you're the man to watch out for. So it's like, okay, you don't say much, but watch out for that one right there. Watch out for him because yeah. you know by him being a, he had the long what they call the long tab as special forces tab, just that within itself is a credential that that is inspiring. Yeah, he's like Our man, he's like authority figure. Yeah, and um, we used to get motivational speakings from Drew Sergeant Bitch uh, and Drew Sergeant Dawkins specifically when we went out on uh, they used to take us out like this boot camp phase is a ten week phase broken down in red phase, white phase, blue phase. Mm -hmm. Each phase is three weeks. Mm -hmm. You gotta graduate red phase in order to um, have a right of passage to go into a white phase. Okay. And then there's another th three weeks of day. It's like, it's a it's a, um, a, culmin a series of culminating events. Mm -hmm. You know, that's how basic training is. Right. And then blue phase is the final stage. But throughout each phase, you get tested. After every test, our drill sergeants literally will have us a bring it in, take a knee, and never, what you'll see with the Eric Thomases and the motivational speakers now, mm -hmm. they got those guys like that in the nineties. You know, very inspirational. Got it. You know, that was hard on us. Just on fish was like probably like two hundred and like twenty pounds solid muscle. So again, wow. me being in, yeah, but he was a brother. Mm. He was um just on fish and just on dolphins was black guys. And he wasn't intimidated in the sense of like, I'm in charge, you sit down, da 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 like you're nothing, you're worthless. It was like more like you guys gotta understand like this pain that you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Like we be low crawling on the bar wire, it's like it's cold water. They used to have us, they dig these dishes, I had to grow the bar wire to see on the front of the mm -hmm. covers and stuff, and mm -hmm. we crawling, and we and they forced us to low crawl to get our head up submerged under the water mm -hmm. and they're uh, they're assessing how we will be and they shooting machine guns over us. They're bringing in and they say they explain to us like um like this right here is an augmented version of what you could potentially face as a right, nice real world, soldier. In real, real so war. You gotta understand this is this is temporary, mm -hmm. you know. And he had um, this thing called get on your bikes. Get on the bikes is basically you get down in a low squat, and you, you see I want you to rev your right hand, room. But it's like using the imagination to ride a bike, but you're not sitting on nothing. Mm -hmm. But it was like time under tension. 
on the on the quads. Man. Yeah. So Burn. everything these guys are master fitness, mm-hmm. uh, which is the army's personal training program. Mm-hmm. They call it. They call you because you get certified as a master fitness trainer. Right. And. So I used to look at Drill Sergeant Fitz, it's like, man, how this guy is able to do all this stuff in uniform and boots and stuff that this guy's jacked. Right. So that's when that whole thing really said, yo, I think I can do this fitness stuff. And I was inspired by him. And Drill Sergeant Dawkins was also like an um, ordained pastor. Hmm. Yeah, uh, uh, there's, a, there's a correlation between Drill Sergeants and, and people who uh, ordain. Yeah. Because you know, you can come at it as being a, a prick, like the movies. Should portray. Or in the real world. Well, I mean, I'm sure you have Joe Sargent. Like yeah, they're like that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's I think it's personality driven, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but the ones, I was just blessed to kind of have the ones that was, that was hard on us, mm-hmm. but it's hard and, and good measure and still real core values in us. So fast forward to 2010, 2011, like when it was my time to put in for, mm-hmm. you know, you had a career, I was at a, well, um, we have a career map and in order to like make yourself um, more marketable in promotion you have to do what they call uh, a special assignment yeah you either go recruiter or go drill sergeant mm-hmm. so you know I want to be a source of inspiration because it's built into my personality ever since like for the 10 years that I was in up to that point I was always getting evaluated by my superiors it's like I kind of had this knack for being able to like kind of inspire people like yo, you know you kind of good at that, right. you know. So I say, okay, when I become an E six, I'm gonna put in for drill sergeant because a lot of people are like yo, you'll be a good drill sergeant. Not because any asshole can yell at people, right? You know, but it's a certain distinction um, on how you marry a lot of that into like the, the, um, the young impressionable men that's coming in. Why not losing them but inspiring them? Mm-hmm. Think you be good at that. Mm-hmm. So I said, I put in a request. Um, this is an application. Mm-hmm. And it has to go through an approval channel, and once it gets approved, then you get sent to the academy to know? learn. Yeah, yeah. And they put you drill sergeant school. Yeah, and uh, and basically drill sergeant school is like kind of like <laughs> a replicated, right. like you going back to boot camp again. Uh-huh. So at this point, I'm like twelve. You now you have to learn how to teach that to someone. Yep. It's like even though you've been through that process. The lower end of it, the, now you have to teach, you have to learn to teach someone, you know, to drill sergeant someone. Yeah, yeah. You go to the gym and you see guys looking all buff, uh-huh. and everybody think that guy, that person, he can be a good trainer, right? Because he looks that way, but he has mm-hmm. knowledge of how to even train someone. He can do it himself. Yep. But how to train someone, and not to mention the other aspect that comes with that. And diet-wise, and all those things, because his diet could be, is for him, right? And you, you know, he's gonna implement that same diet to someone, to everybody he's trained, yep. because he's not trained to be that. That's facts, man. Yeah. You know, so that's uh, you know, I learned, I learned a lot. Again, like you always learning, so you have to get this mindset to like, even though you been in Army twelve, I believe ten, them twelve years at that point when I showed up at the academy, mm. I pulled up in the um. Uh, and the academy is at Fort Jackson, South Carolina, you know. Um, and when I pulled in the parking lot, that's when the rules hit again. Because you got to think about it. They play a lot of mind games in drill sergeant school because they're putting you back in your place. Like, 
And you address on a lot of people already. You have to be able to. You have to be able to be in a mindset where you can be commanded. You can be commanded. They put that right back in there. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, it was like like the first day I went to the parking lot and I saw a guy with a hat walking across the parking lot, man. Drill so I'm like, man, I ain't seen one of them since I was in boot camp. So <laughs> it's funny how psychologically you still kind of like get butterflies. Yeah. Even though I'm the like, I'm ranked hat. up. I've been in a decade <laughs> at this point. I'm in a leadership position, but when I report to that academy, you see them hats in the distance and stuff. What? You're like, what? It's still intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he, oh, he's, I saw him looking at me and I was trying to find parking. And I'm like this green guy. I got like a, a pamphlet. And like, we wrote on the window, like, where you, uh, are you a candidate? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, I'm gonna tell you what, you're gonna have a bad day if you park over here in this parking lot. What you need to do, you need to go down here and you need to park down in the candidate parking lot, okay? All right, you know what I'm saying? Like very matter a of fact. A bad day yeah. just by parking in that park? Yeah. How would he mean Cause by it's that? So it's, um, it wasn't me, it was like more matter of fact because everything is about attention to detail. Right. Like, so they have offices and we have these um, hallways. When the door is <laughs> open and they're sitting at the desk, you're unauthorized to walk in front of offices that has the door open when they're sitting at the desk. If, if you have to walk this way to your classroom and the door is open, you have to take the long way around the entire facility. Are you kidding? Man, yeah. They set, set up that way like that. Yeah. so you can follow orders. Yep, they got a line on, they got a line everywhere and you have to walk on the right side of this line. You get caught walking the left side of the side of the line, you have a real big problem. Because the left side is for our drill sergeants yep. already. Yep. You gotta walk, stay on your line, stay on your side, boy. Yep. Yep, they're looking at your paperwork. They say the first 72 hours you don't pack your, uh, you don't unpack your bags. Because 72 you, hours? Yeah, the first few days. Because you might be kicked, you might, you might be, be kicked out. Yep, they go through all your paperwork. Everybody's lined up on the line. They're going through all your stuff, uh, background checks. They uh, got to get your psyche valve, got to clear. You got to get a psyche valve as well. Of course. Um, um, because, you know, back in the day, like, it was made the news and the papers with drill sergeants and stuff, like, was, like, abusing the recruits. Mm. It was all on CNN and you know so now like when I went through they wanted to make sure they mitigate and get rid of it. When you say abuse like what kind of abuse? Putting hands Sex. on them. Sexual? Um, no putting hands on them. Like, oh okay, uh, like, gotcha. Alright just want to like, be clear. Yeah yeah and you know um, I guess you know somewhere within the parameters I know they closed down boot camps and stuff certain places and stuff like mm. for, for me it Maryland. It was just bad. Yeah because you got to think about it before the cameras and before um um, oversight. Uh -huh. See, before 9-11, it was the dark ages. Mm. Once you went down in that world, man, like, drill sergeant hammered you and, and they were supported by whatever internal training commands and stuff. Right. There was no real outside oversight. Right. Until people's parents started complaining to, like, congressmen and stuff mm. about, like, there's no reason why my kid went into this all-voluntary force. It's not and Vietnam. came out to be messed up. Came out yeah. messed up. And they didn't even make it through boot camp because they was hazing them too tough. Because when I, you know, um, I had some drill sergeants like that and they got rid of them and that's when I got the three that I was describing early in the conversation. Mm. The other three the other three drill sergeants we had, um, they hazed this kid because he couldn't do push-ups. And, and they can do it and make it a laughing matter. That's what they need. And, and no one can, t can um, you know, tell them what to do. There's nobody watching, overseeing them. So they got away with it. Yeah. So when I went through you know, an academy, and the academy is a very professional academy, man. They teach you about Generation X, Y, and Z. So we mm -hmm. went through a lot of training on, like, you got to realize, like, the people that you're going to be facing is going to be more self-sufficient teenagers. It's not the same teenagers that came in in the 90s. 
mm-hmm. you know these teenagers now are more um, uh, they feel like they got it figured out mm. a lot of them grew up with smartphones Google Apple Play yeah. so they, they join the military this culture this system is, is, is still kind of relocated on the principles of being old school boot camp style mm-hmm. in an in a ever so modern world whereas in the 90s it could be it was modern from a from a from a way that it was hip hop, yeah, source magazines and stuff like that. But we still kind of like had we didn't have that much um, um, leverage on just being able to just Google something and challenge authority the way this generation is. Mm-hmm. So we had we learned distinctions between like um, the younger generation now as a drill summer before we went before we graduated uh, the academy and stuff, man. But a lot of it's on leadership. Yeah, Le- leadership is a very. I mean, it is necessary. Is necessary. I mean, you're taking you're taking charge of someone, trying to mold them to bring them to a certain point. And um, leadership has to be strong. It has to be important because you can't be a leader and then allow the people you're supposed to be leading to run your shit. You have to take full control. You know they had studies. The, um, there's a um, the study was like um, they they did. We have a course management team, and and then we also have a centers of um, lessons learned. They call it call. They have a whole different department on. Do they take um, every cycle? They take lessons learned, and there's a the study was the more structured and strict that you are as a drill sergeant, the higher um, motivation and um, morale that the your platoon is going to have. Mm-hmm. The moment you start like think about it, it's like when you got a child. Hey, you get home, you're gonna go to your room, you're gonna be home. And you don't stand by that, as the day creeps on, you just kinda like let them really watch TV. Yeah. There's something psychologically they're not gonna respect. Right. So the morale is gonna be low because they feel like there's no structure and they feel like they can kinda like cut corners. So it's all about teaching us or reestablishing us to not allow people who we got an obligation to, to from to day zero to the, the week 10 mm-hmm. to march them across in their uniform so the parents can see that you've molded them um, so the cutting corner piece and stuff you have to like use your discretion but at the same time you have to like really have sound judgment and sound leadership to be able to display mm-hmm. that you are in charge as a drill sergeant and we are we have a duty and an obligation and you also have a duty and obligation as a recruit to meet us in the middle mm-hmm. you know we can't be, I can't be a man for you Right. You know, like I could do everything except be a man for you. Wow. You know, um, so it's it's um, it's, it's it, it was a very eye opener. You know, going through that school. You know, I learned a lot. You know, about people. There human dynamics training and stuff too. You got you know you have a guy from like let's say the Bronx, mm-hmm. then you have a cat from like um, Alabama. You know, you have a cat from East St. Louis and has people from. Um, like Kentucky, the West Coast, Detroit, you know. So I know there's like a lot of people who's from the inner cities and Chicago's and stuff like that. Had they, they they responded a little bit more with um, um, presence. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't respond well with um, in your face kind of stuff. Got it. Because they're already from Chicago. Yeah. Like I'm used to this, man. Right. So in order to get that guy, or uh, kind of like get him to kind of pay attention a little bit I have to come in there like with my presence and stuff to like okay before I have them to like do anything I'm already have to like display that I'm doing what I'm gonna tell them to do first because they're watching oh okay it's like lead by by example example. 
But moment you start doing that, people kind of question like, well, you ain't doing it, you know? And it's not really a place to question because there's certain little incidents and stuff where you have to welcome them to the real world. You, yeah, you but if, from a psychological standpoint, mm -hmm. you got to. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you, know, you can't smoke around. You can't chew dip. For the people that just want to smoke, mm -hmm. I don't smoke. Right, right. You know, but because they can't do it. They can't you take their phones. They can't have phone time. Mm -hmm. So you shouldn't be on your phone. Da, 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 you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, like, you know, so you have to, like, really be polished, shaved. Because they really looking. They And and, and what happens and stuff, inspiration is, is stronger than motivation. Mm. You know, if you come, they come. Wait, wait. So, you're saying that inspiration is stronger than motivation? Yeah. Because motivation is a, is an extension of discipline. You have um, discipline, then you have self-discipline. Like, what I was taught is, like, in Red Phase, uh, that whole entire three weeks was shock treatment. Everything is, is hard. When you first get off the bus, they're shouting mm -hmm. at you. It's, like, it's more command All control, up in your face. All up in your face. It's designed that way. You know? To see then, where your triggers are? See where your triggers are. Break you down, break and it's down. called um, it's called um, pattern interrupt. Pattern interrupt. Yep, okay. pattern interrupt. Your mother and stuff like, yeah, they enabled you. You so used to staying up late. Lights out is at ten o'clock. Hey, jokes on you. At four o'clock, and you just somehow just had just still getting used to going to bed. Jokes on you, man. Yeah, yeah, pattern yeah. interrupt, man. Yeah, you got to start training your brain. It's three weeks, so you have discipline. You have self discipline. So the command and control is discipline. You doing it because I'm standing over. Okay, but what are you gonna do? Like, you have to do the right thing when no one's watching. It's self-discipline. Ah. You know what I'm saying? They instill so that. So, train by example, mm -hmm. pattern interrupt. Because what's that? what that's doing is creating a whole new, break down the old way of doing things, create a new yes. way of doing something. Because now they have to be able to do the things that they're supposed to do even when no one is there to watch or watch them. Yes. Another big thing is patience as a drill sergeant. You have to have patience. You'd be surprised how many people who don't didn't have an older brother, father, uncle, nobody. Like what we may think is like simple. Like what do you mean you can't tie your shoe? I just had that conversation yeah. my last one of my last podcasts about patience yeah. and how I, in my own personal life, grown in my process of being a personal trainer, how I had to. Well, not a personal trainer, but also in my own when I started working out. Uh -huh. Oh, I had to learn patience because it's not something that I had. Um, and working out taught me patience. Yeah. So yeah, I'm glad you, can't, it, uh, you just come back to that. Makes yeah. it makes it kind of more like, real. Yeah, you, you gotta you gotta have patience, man. And you perform everything. Mm -hmm. I, I I used to have these uh, these these um, flashbacks of the drill sergeant Fitch, uh, corporal punishment, or. Um, so if we didn't do anything, like if we, if we was dragging, he'll make us, uh, when I say dragging, like we wasn't motivated certain mornings to get out of bed because mm. they trained us hard the, other, the day before, so we're extra tired. Tired. Mm. So they have us doing um, push-ups or bunk dips mm. to work your triceps. And I remember Drill Sergeant Fitch, man, had some big arms and as painful as them, down, up, one, and he's walking around um, in the kill zone, like giving us lecture. Everything was about lecture. Mm -hmm. I appreciated lecture over the guy who just being an a hole mm -hmm. because lecture is stuff. I'm like I'm I'm downloading the information. 
and it's constructive. And it's, yeah, so that's the yeah. part of the inspiration. Yep. Meanwhile, I connect that with presence. Drew Fitch had the the, the presence, presence of, of like what? If you look in the dictionary of a drill sergeant, he had the. He yeah, looked like that. His shirt tucked in, creased out, ripped pecs. You seen like he was like a bodybuilder. Mm. Like he was literally like, uh, hey, you know, a lot of drill sergeants, they got weight rooms. Like we shining boots. We not supposed to be kind of like meddling in their business and stuff. Uh -huh. They be in there bantering, you hear them bantering, they clang, clang. Sweating in your full uniform, they working out in between while they got us cleaning weapons, got uh -huh. us preoccupied. We got to be studying and that. Back when I joined, we had to carry what they call smart book. Smart books? What's that? Smart book is a book that they give you. It's a manual that they give you when you join. That manual has everything that you need to know, the basic stuff to be a soldier. Mm -hmm. The Army, the seven Army Corps values, the warrior ethos, the, um, um, the fundamentals of marksmanship, uh, drilling ceremony, you know, because they're actually that on demand. Yeah. They'll stop and ask you, because they teach you everything first before they test you on it. They actually demand like, okay, uh, what are the four uh, basic marksmanship, uh, what are the four basic fundamentals of marksmanship? Go, ah, get out, took too long. <laughs> Where's your smart book? What do you mean it's in your locker? You know what? They get everybody up, you know everybody up, everybody get on the line, the, the front lean and rest position, and they, they smoke everybody because you jacked up. They yeah. teaching, they, they they use that good, suffer with the bad type mm -hmm. of technique. Mm -hmm. No, 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 you good, you, you Cause, stand there. Because you, you, you're, you're <laughs> one unit. Yeah. You gotta yeah. work in unison. Yeah. Because if one, it's the bad link kind of thing. Yeah, because yeah. when the drill sergeants go away, they're designing to where your support, your, your peers are gonna hold you accountable. Right. So it's less work I gotta do. Right. You know, it's designed that way. They're like, yo, man, you need to pick yourself up. Man, you keep getting us in trouble, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you got, you got everybody mad at you. Man. Now you're carrying the weight of everybody mad at you because you messed up. Smart book. Because now all of us going to be in trouble because of your shit. Yep. And our cargo pocket, that smart book better been on our person. So we had what they call white space time. We better be reading and studying it at all times. Right. Studying, studying, Even studying. if you think you know it. Even if you think you know it because you have to regurgitate it on demand. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. Like, what are the what are the stripes on the flag mean? How many stripes are there? How many how many stars? Okay. Um, um, where's where, the, where the Star Spangled Banner? Um, what year was that um, derived out of? What year the Star Spangled Banner? You know, like this stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah. But man, I'm telling you, man, it was a fun experience, man. A lot of people appreciate that after when they graduate. I tell you that. Right. Nothing so, personal. So fast forward to training mm -hmm. personal training i mean you, you did the drill sergeant master school you become a master trainer you are certified master trainer in the field now you come to the real world what, what what's the difference between the real world in terms of client and training other clients versus being in the army i know it's a different type of training but what uh well the people because, like, contrary to proper belief, there's a lot of soldiers that complain and gripe, too, mm -hmm. in the uniform. Okay. Oh, man. Oh. Like, look, not everybody is bought into fitness, man. Even in the Army. Some people is just signed up for They college. do it because they have to. They got to do it. It goes back to that. Is that, why, is that why when they come out of the Army, they get, they get big and fat, gain yeah. weight? They're like, fuck this discipline shit. There was a study I seen, like, I think in 2016, that said, like, I think it was, like, 70% of soldiers who discharged out of the army, you know why? Was it because I've got repeated tours in Afghanistan? No. <laughs> um, 
taken away from the family, long work nights. I'm like, no, it's like it's because of PT. You, you, most people really wow. get tired of that. Got to be up five, six o'clock in the morning to go out in the grass and do PT. I'm like, really? So, so most majority of people like, hey, when my time's up, I'm not signing up. And it'd be over PT. You'd be wow. surprised how many soldiers. Cause you know what I don't see. Now that you said that, mm -hmm. I don't see a high percentage of ex-military guys in the gym. Yeah, it's like it's it's rare. It's, rare. it's very rare that they continue that um, that discipline of working out. Yep, and you know a lot of unless it's like maybe a guy who's probably spent like only four years in the army. Yeah, he's still kind of young. And still like young, he can go through it. Yeah, he'll come, you know, come and then he'll, you know, join the gym and keep, yeah. But, yeah, I did have a few clients who were into working out before they went to the Army. Oh, yeah. But um, as I'm thinking about it now, I think they were working out because they wanted to pass the boot camp. Be uh, in better okay. good condition. It wasn't because they wanted to work out. It was a part of their life. It wasn't a lifestyle for them. One of them actually got out of the Army. Our way was Marines. And he's gained all the weight in the world. Whoa. It didn't work out. You know, he started with me, lose the weight, got in, do the boot camp, lost a lot of weight in boot camp, looked really good. Mm -hmm. Left fat dude, gaining all the weight. Wow, man. Yeah. yeah. You know. It's amazing yeah. how they just go from, from they mm -hmm. think that is so difficult for them that they don't want to ever do that shit again, even if they know it's good for them. That's true. Health wise. And, and you know, um, I would say that was the Army's biggest problem. Um, they pushed too hard. Yeah, because you got to think about it. We had, we had, so it's 12 months in a year. And at that point, I've gotten to a point where I was in more of a, um, let's say I was operations. I was a mm -hmm. platoon sergeant. Mm -hmm. uh, up until like when I got out. So I'm, I was more in operations, platoon sergeant. So I kind of managed the company. Mm -hmm. You know, and the biggest hurdle was getting people to pass the PT um, PT because and, and and there's a companion with studying for the test when there's a PT test mm -hmm. the company so the commander the CEO is required to test his men mm -hmm. um, at the fiscal year start of the fiscal year in, in October every every um, time in between that's supposed to be PT oh well, I got a bum knee from deployment or uh, we went and trained rope climbing we're doing a high speed training uh, like so the army really had to start looking at like this generation you know you they, they looked at they look at these trend reports bone density is one of them a lot of said i guess a lot of these studies came out that a lot of younger kids now bone density is not the same as kids in the 90s because um athleticism of playing recess in the 80s and 90s when we joined the military I, your bone density, even now like running increases bone density well, that can come from a multitude of, well, and, um, it can and, come um, from the fact that and, um, they don't really do exercise in school anymore. They don't. And they join the army it and then they come and get beat up. Quality of food, mm -hmm. you yeah. know, this McDonald's stuff and Burger King and all that stuff that kids are growing up on. Yeah. Especially kids who are living in dire straits neighborhood yeah. who end up going in the army because there's nothing else for them to do. Yeah. Their nutrition is so bad. So, you know, it could be all that, but it's an interesting study. I mean, yeah, yeah, they, they was looking at like, for example, like they're trying to explain why some people in their 20s get medically retired from the army 
from like having like surgery on their hip and stuff, man. And they're like young. Where and that's where the test came. Studies come. They looking at they're looking at nutrition and they're looking at um, the school system. It always comes back to nutrition, man. It is a it is a big percentage of um, your health. Yeah. And you know, during the Obama administration, Michelle Obama spearheaded that campaign to where she went and changed all the, um, I think we had kind of talked about that. But the what? Uh, because like, during the surge, when we was fighting. Well, so that's when she had the kids planting vegetables and all that stuff. So and she, and, and what did and she do with that in the army though? She had purview over, um, she, she spearheaded the systems of um, food being regulated for more of a nutritional um, standpoint in, in middle schools, high schools. So how bad was the army food before that? Army school sucked before that, man. Nothing against like- It's like my, prison uh, food? Kind of, it's like a, little, a step above prison food? It was good, but it wasn't, <laughs> it, it wasn't, it wasn't nutrition. Let's <laughs> just say that. So, but that is like, I feel like that's an oxymoron, right? So, you, want, you want guys to be healthy and you're doing all this training, don't you? Don't you think that part of that is is the food? I guess they're trying so, to train him like like okay, if you go if you end up in war, you're not gonna have healthy food. But wait till that happens. I think now now let me like, let me get because this. if you're if you're healthy to begin with, and you go into war and you you in a run, unhealthy environment, at least you have a healthy body to begin with to to sustain. Yeah, man. Let me let me. It's the preparation. Let me provide context. Uh, since the global war on terror, the food has gotten better okay you know but the 9-11 era had to happen because I joined before 9-11 when I joined it was still flipping hamburgers and corn dogs and stuff so we had a main line corn dogs yep we had a main line get over corn dogs and a short line <laughs> like main line you get you get like let's say they have like on the menu today we have baked fish now don't get me wrong there was always big on uh, macronutrients you get a start. You get starches, carbohydrates, and a protein. But starch and carbohydrates the same thing. Well, yeah, starch and carb. But you get you get a quote unquote good version, and then you get a quote unquote. If you go in the, the short version. line, you get this onion rings. That's that's so the bad version tastes better. That's what it is. The good so, version doesn't taste as good, but that's the quality one. Yeah, but the army doesn't um, have that problem now because that was like over 20, 23 years ago. Because right, Michelle changed that. She changed it. So good for her, good for her, and and the the soldiers were, yeah, because they kept seeing Afghanistan and Iraq. You got to think about we keep we 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 did the surge. We were just sending soldiers, so we needed more. The recruiting campaign was struggling because America recruiters was out here in these inner cities. They like yo, we can't even get half these kids that's in high school to really pass just like the basic stuff. So we can't recruit to fight the wars because. So they're that's not, when they they're not fightable men, yeah. Yeah, because it's like the obese already. Yeah. So the large, large hearts. Yeah, it's like the obese already. Yeah, yeah. The army, really and not only from a, from a, a stored fat standpoint, but the quality of the bone, the bones yeah. and uh, and muscles and all that stuff. A lot of inactive. They're not fightable men. No, nah, no. Nah. Interesting. So Interesting. when they come to a guy like me, because like I said, I was cut from that cloth. Yeah, I was. I, you were I, I, so they come to me. I was, um, I was hard, but they shook my hand and thanked me. As I, I had to, I had to be groomed and polished mm -hmm. through my years of a leader by my superiors. Because when I first put the rank of sergeant on, I was a bulldog. You were a bulldog. I was a bulldog. I was. A, I ain't gonna lie. I was a bulldog. 
they I have a meeting with my supervisor. He like, you know, um, so Son Walton, like, and I remember one time I said, well, I asked him to clean up. He cut me off mid-sentence. He did what? You asked him? Like, you know what? You're a sergeant. You asked him to do nothing. You tell them to do this thing. Like, <laughs> Almost got in trouble. I got punished. What? Yeah, as but a sergeant. Like, the way it was strict. I, I worked for a guy that he joined in the early 80s, man. So my boss was old school. So as a sergeant, I would still get reprimanded. Mm. As a sergeant, What's a sergeant? Boss. what the fuck? He was grooming me. I was a bulldog. Hey, but, but yeah, you he, have to learn the right way. He's he, right, though. Yeah, he, 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 I, his cloth was from 82, 83, 84, like when he joined. Mm -hmm. by, the, by this point, it was 2005 when I was a sergeant, when I first made my strike. Mm. By that point, he was like, look, I come from an era, man. Like, the sergeant, when, when a sergeant came on the scene and said something, nobody questioned it. These young guys right here, you mean, what do you mean they questioning you? He used to get mad at me for me. I'm telling you, like, what do you mean they tell you? You a sergeant. Yeah, you're not getting at the guy who's, no. you coming and complaining school. about. Yeah, he old like, school. Mad at you, like, what do you, what? Yep. Yeah, So, right. it's like I come up under that doctrine. Yeah. The guys that was, so I appreciated them guys that was the late 70s and early 80s. When I came in the Army, these guys like, you 18? So, so you got, you got a good start in the Army. Mm -hmm. Got some discipline going on. Um, that's working for you. Now you, you you come out of the army. You you transition into civilian lifestyle as a personal trainer. Right, right. Do you train your clients that way, or what are the bits and pieces you you use and let go of? Uh so the, the bits and pieces that I had to like really look at when I sat down and kind of like looked at my like fitness training program on the commercial side is I had to understand that these people haven't been through a, a breakdown and rebuilding process. Mm -hmm. So I can't expect them to just immediately already kind of like start. But they do have program. to go through a little bit of that. They have to go through a little bit of it. Yeah. So I have to, um, and that's what the leadership and discretion, mm -hmm. just experience, years of experience, I tap into like just that I'm using a certain type of discretion. Maybe I got a, a woman who's been sitting here for a while so I already know to start her at a four-week conditioning program. Mm -hmm. Like four-week conditioning where we're just doing um, low-density, low-impact workout. Mm -hmm. Whereas I get someone who's already kind of fit, they're more than intermediate, mm -hmm. but they're trying to take to the next level. Mm -hmm. Then I already know, okay, I only I can kind of skip the four-week conditioning. We can kind of start, we can compress that conditioning down and stuff and get some dynamic warm-ups in it. We can kind of get you, you, you looking for me to push you to the next level because of my military background. Of course. You know, so I had to really do away with the hardcore stuff when I got out and started doing personal training. Mm -hmm. But the thing that stayed the same that I mirrored and just took it and brought it over to the commercial is like the more the inspirational stuff. The same lectures right. that I used to have to sit there and talk to like my platoon to get them to kind of understand that they do have what it takes. It's the exact same energy that I have to do on the commercial side. Yeah. Because people are people. I tap into that muscle majority of the time, just like I did when I was in the army. The fitness stuff is like probably 35% of it, and then the other 65% is like the uh, the pouring into because I I care just so much about like uh, the betterment of people. Well, like you said earlier, the between inspiration and motivation. So in your case, is it more inspi inspiring people or motivating people? On a commercial side, it's more. Um, inspirational so what I started doing uh -huh. is like, 
Is it both? I can mot- I can motivate them, but, but I'm not always around them like I was in the army. Okay. In the army, I got more time with mm-hmm. people than in the commercial right. commercial side. We meet, let's say, a, a three a, a three. In other times. words, they don't really go home in terms of yeah. that because in commercial, yeah. you you're with that person for thirty minutes or sixty minutes. They have the rest of their life to that they're going about their business. Got nothing to do with you. Yeah. So the inspiration behind to do the inspiration has to be stronger because yeah. the motivation is more in in the interim. It's, it's, in, it's in the present. It's in, in the present, yeah. and inspiration is even after you don't you're not with them. Right. Interesting. So good. In, you know, in the, in the military, man, like you know, whether they like it or not, man, they're the form of and stand in front of a guy like me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I used to always tell them like, I, you know, I've been in your shoes before. You know, I used to stand there. You know, glossy eyes coming from the club, still smelling like, um, like, um, like vodka. Mm, yeah, and, right. You know, because I want to get in there and chase the girls, but I know we got a five a.m. six mile run. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, I've been in your shoes, but you know, but at the same time, we have a we have obligation, and, and right now you are in class, and you are in class and learning um, discipline, and mm. I can't be a man for you. And not only within a discipline, you're learning choices. Did you ever do any kind of motivational speaking or thought about it or? Uh, so what I, so I went through, uh, so I went and got, so the army had started addressing these, um, had to start looking into suicides for the, uh, because of the depression and PTSD. So I never um, thought I'd be doing it, but they had created this program called the Master Resiliency mm-hmm. Trainer, uh, MRT. So they, um, called me in the office and said, yo, we got this program from the University of Pennsylvania. The Army has partnered with them to take a lot of the positive psychology and resiliency uh, principles, and we want to adopt it into um, the uniform of the Army because the Army is really battling. They're trying to change the culture of, you know, there used to be a time where I drink water, suck it up, stop the plane, and get out of my face, and people go home and, you know, they suicide. So they came to this oh. program and they sent me to the to the school to get certified as a, what they call a, a master resiliency instructor. Mm. So that's where the inspirational public speaking. So I used to have to, I saw talk for a number of years. So, that, so that's a big help for you in the in the commercial sector. Yeah, so I, it's great yeah. when you can um, inspire people to do things that they haven't thought about doing or even wanted to do in one. So that gives you a, a really strong stance in position with um, your clients. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Now, what did you continue your, wait, let me go back a bit. Did you worked out, you were into fitness before you went into the army or you got it there? My, when I was a kid, my dad was a body, like bodybuilder, like his fitness. Okay, so, so you had it before. That's kind of it. Kind of goes full circle on what we was talking about before about you seeing like some of the other veterans that get out and then they just kind of, and then right. you don't see that many people that stay stick with it. And the reason being is because it was a foundation in just woven into me as before my personality as mm-hmm. a kid watching my pops. Mm-hmm. My my dad had weights mm-hmm. around the house, so I was in the Frank Zane magazines. I was hmm. in the Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, I come up right. through, the, through the 80s. Yeah. Conan, Commando yeah. with an 88, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I, and, uh, Frank Zane was a big one, uh, Lee Haney. So when yeah. I joined the Army, I felt like this was the train 
that I needed to kind of get me to kind of do. I wanted to be like Frank Zane and mm-hmm. D. Haney and Arnold Schwarzenegger. So I already had this. I wasn't bodybuilding before the Army because I was a slender kid. It wasn't until like the Army where I kind of had got the drill sergeant bitch with that presence and stuff that kind of like, he was hard on me, but in a good way. I kind of got swole when I was about to graduate. He was fixing my tie yeah, on my uniform. He's like, man, look at you, man. Like, you know, and I was like, man, like, I was like, I was like, man, I never thought I'd look like this, man. So he was, drill sergeants are like personal trainers. Yeah, they embody the physical um, look. Yeah. They definitely have the discipline because it does take discipline to keep doing this day in, day out, um, creating new ways to do it. You have to be your own inspiration. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And then, I mean, you could be inspired by someone else too at the same time, but you have to, at, at some point, apply it to yourself constantly, right? But here's the other part that, for me, it wasn't about that, right? Because it's something that I actually grew to love. Mm-hmm. So it was a love for me to come to the gym, get up, go work out. It wasn't like, oh, do I gotta go do this again? Yep. Um, so that's where um, my consistency came, came from. Yeah. Was I already, I was already doing something I love. So I really I love, yeah, I love working out. I mean, because I love not only doing the workout itself, like really, man, I got muscles that are moving that I can do this. And then the other part is that I love the feeling that comes with that. The little aches and pains that people most are afraid of. I want to feel the soreness. And when the soreness doesn't happen, like, I'm like, damn, I didn't work out hard enough. You know what I mean? (laughs) So yeah, it's kind of sadistic, right? When you look at it, but it's not pain that are like when your bones hurt or your body just hurt for no reason at all. It's not that kind of a pain. You know what I mean? But some some people think it is like pain is pain, but no, it's it's a different thing. Yeah. Like when you work your legs, man, you feel that soreness. You get it. It's feels like, oh. good. Yeah. You just feel good. Yeah, it hurts, yeah. but oh, I know I work my leg good. I know that I have some gains in my leg. Yes, sir. Yeah. You know what I mean? My muscles are gonna be my muscles are gonna be better for it. I can't wait for the next day to hit it again. What you know, you start going through all these things like, okay, I'm gonna do dip my leg. I'm gonna do this leg workout this time. Do more sets, more reps, more weight, and it's it's exciting. It's exciting. Some people would see that as hell no, this is not exciting for me. Yeah. What would you say to that person, or what kind of inspiration would you have for that person who who hate working out but they need to or should? Yeah, it's, it's funny because I talk to a lot of people that um, that has that perspective, and I always, I always tell them this. I said like, for every um, person who's good at something, they sucked at it first. And I said, uh, hmm. give me, so true. give me three things you're good at. And then when they give me the three things they're good at, I said, uh, was it painful? Was that barrier before you got good at it? Or you just was born this way. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a barrier I had to. You know, okay, it's painful. Like you have a degree yeah okay which one associates bachelor's and masters have a master's degree okay was it painful yeah okay so we live in a society where there's certain principles that's consistent the same pain that it took for you to study on a time test with minimal notes and then make the grade in order to get that master's uh, master's degree for your brain the nervous system requires the same thing for muscle development Mm -hmm. you know so in order for the muscle 
to um, grow, you actually come to the gym and, and, and scar muscle tissue to break it down. Mm-hmm. The soreness is only the um, the um, the survival element that's kicking in. As humans, we're designed to become um, we, we're designed to be, get better after we face adversity. So when you're sore, it's the, your, your muscles' definition of it face some form of adversity in the gym with the trainer, and then cells it's gonna, that, cells that are broken down are regenerating themselves. So, Twice. Become, yep. Now I only have one cell. The one cell that broke down and regenerated into two. Yeah. And yeah. That's to, to be ready for something like that again. You, you have to have some form of pain, and I would say like you know when, even in the midst of like working out in the session like and they kind of ah I'm like, are you injured or are you in pain? If you're in pain but not injured, okay then welcome. You know, mm-hmm. welcome to class because this is the experience, this is the exposure that you didn't get on your own. Or well, therefore, I wouldn't, as an accountability coach, be here. Right. My job is to present you this feeling that you did feeling yourself because most people want to be comfortable. They go to the gym with no trainer. Yeah. And they they stay just under the cusp of where it started to get uncomfortable. And, and they, they give up. Give up and go home. Yeah. And now nah, it's not working. It's like yes, they said it's not working. It didn't work for them. Yeah. Yeah. It's like. I like I like something you said earlier when you said um, the example you use like when you in school and working for that degree the pain that potentially comes with that because you want that so badly you end up doing it anyway because at the end result you want that degree so you continue some people give up though yeah that's true um, and I guess we all of us are not going to achieve what we set out to do because some of us are not strong enough to continue and handle the pain. The those that are do, that, that do uh, are the ones who make it. And uh, I like that analogy that you use, like, yo, I hate school, but I went to school, I went to school anyway. The yeah. difference is though, they go to school, get the degree, they suffer through it, and they yeah, that's done. Yeah. With exercise, some people do the same thing. Yeah. They achieve a goal that exercise that they want from the exercise and they stop. And then they repeat that many times because now they want that something else that needs to exercise needs to they have to use exercise to get there. Yeah. So it's like a stop start, stop start, stop start. And they never it never click in their mind and say, shit, what if I just continue? I won't have to worry about the stop start. Exactly. Yeah. I can just be there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that so many people do that. Like, you know, people who uh, work out for because they want to be in shape to meet to get a husband yeah. or go on vacation to fitness or bathing or some kind of occasion that they plan on going to that you know a, fa- a school reunion that they have to look a certain way to please the ego and so they go through this, this thing that they hate to get to that and the reason why you and I noticed that they hate it is because it's the starting of the the process that makes it painful. Yeah. Because once you're in it, you pat you know you're good. Yeah. But they give up on that just to start all over again. Yeah, and uh, it's this term called autogenic conditioning. Mm-hmm. Learned from another um, military um, guy. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy was like in the Delta Force, man. Yeah. Autogenic. Well, I heard heard of that term autogenic conditioning. The way he was describing it, he was describing it like training. They mm-hmm. shoot pistol. They were shooting it so much that it was like downloading to the nervous system. But he thought about, he was kind of mentioning like, okay, 
If you can't go and practice jump shots, shooting, or sit-ups, do me a favor and imagine it. When you wake up tomorrow morning, imagine it the whole entire day. And then the day after, go perform it and see how good you are. Autogenic conditioning is like uh, you may got five senses, you mm -hmm. know, but there's a certain sense that it, it really can't tell that you didn't kind of go through the activity. Because you imagine it so long for so, so much, much, you know, the way that I guess the mind don't understand. Mm -hmm. So I always tell people, man, just imagine, like imagine yourself coming to the gym before you come to the gym. Mm -hmm. So that way. And make, so the imagination can give you a good experience. It gives you a good experience and you become, go back to the master. Because experience. you think of, okay, what's the best? Yeah. I'm not going to come to the gym and work out and be, and for, um, at, um, experience the things that I hate about working with you. You want to find a, a good thing. Interesting. You want to find something good out of it. So you um, you have to look at it from a point of like something that you're expecting. Like mm -hmm. in the army, like for me, I was the guy that like I expected it to be. Some people come out, oh, man, this stuff is rough, man. I thought I'm gonna do my three years and get out. I didn't know it was gonna be like. What you thought it was gonna be daycare, man? Mm -hmm. I, I imagined it. I expected it because when it got to a point where my father was like, you gonna go. You don't have money for college. Where are you gonna go after school? So I had, I just had to go to my room and just imagine like, you know what? I just got, I might just go ahead and accept. This is my fate. So wow. between the time that I signed the contract when I was a senior in high school up until when I graduated and then they shipped me out, got me on the bus, I've already accepted it to the point where I imagined, cause like I said, during that time there was no Google or YouTube. Right. I had to imagine how boot camp was. So mm -hmm. when I got there, it wasn't that far off how I imagined. So wow. it didn't really shock me enough to where I hated it. Hated it. Yeah, <laughs> Actually, yeah. I loved it because I was like looking in the mirror and started to see my arms. And I started seeing a six pack coming in. I often do that so, myself without knowing, I was, you know, there's even a name for it. Like I see my body the way I want to see it, and I see myself enjoying doing certain exercises and feeling a certain, I get a certain feeling from it. Mm -hmm. You know, I imagine myself doing a certain amount of reps. I imagine myself doing a certain amount of sets. I imagine myself doing uh, a certain amount, a certain amount of weights. And um, just like when I built this gym, it was the imagination was already there, and it's, it's exactly because as I'm putting things in place, it's from my imagination. Yeah. And the only difference is that now the color you can see the color yeah. of it. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you're telling me that, sense. man. Like that, you know, the imagination is a, uh, it's a big thing. I yeah. think a, a lot of people forget. I do that with pretty much everything, anyway. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. I do that with pretty much any, with everything. I, I always imagine it first. I mean, yeah. Imagination is a beautiful thing, man. It's, it's infinite. How much stuff you can imagine? Yeah, resilient part. It, um, it reestablishes uh, a sense of mental toughness. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, like you know, I used to always say, like you know, even resilient people have non-resilient days. You know, teaching on problem solving, character strengths. I forget. It's, it's a several program modules. What they call it, I, had, I used to have to teach, and there was a lot of examples and stuff yeah. on those classes. And like so these classes would be three, four hour. I was required to teach three, four hour lectures in class. Wait, wait, wait. Three, four hours of lectures? Yeah. Isn't that kind of long, man? The Army, man, and the curriculum. Yeah. The way the curriculum is set up, when you're teaching those resilience models and stuff, there's a certain amount of um, classroom hours that has to be taught. So, that, so the commander can brief the, his boss, which is the colonel. Mm. The colonel can be um, 
bridge to Fulberg and it goes up to the headquarters department in the army that we're making a change um, in terms of mindset wise throughout the army. Mm-hmm. It's like we've gotten good at training with tactics throughout since 9-11. Right. But the army still had that old school culture of like not being um, empathetic about the, how the brain works. So we have to have a certain amount of hours of mindset or resiliency training. So, so I'm Walton, like today, so I look at my curriculum and I'm like, okay, we're teaching uh, character strengths. There's 25 different degrees of character. Mm-hmm. And there's a link, I used to email it out to the class um, like 48 hours prior. Like, you must do this because this is a part of the class. Mm-hmm. Everybody come into class and stuff and we're gonna discuss your results of your top five strengths of character. Everybody has strengths of character, mm-hmm. like integrity, prudence, and a lot of people have low degrees of character. And it goes with self-esteem. The reason why that class is important because majority of problem, workplace problems and relationship problems is like kind of what we was talking about Cameron, like inferiority complexes and self-esteem. Yeah. You might work alongside a guy, you might work at a gym, or you might partner with someone and at some, at, at somewhere along the way you start to see some type of differences and stuff of opinion, or you might see indicators that that person may be jealous. Mm-hmm. That's a character issue. Yeah. So that class teaches, it exposes you what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are as a person. Because think about it, it's about cohesion. So we look at like in this team, in my in my company, in my platoon, everybody has different skill sets and talent. Mm-hmm. You may be good with running, you may be good at teaching classes, but you're not good at weapons. You're good at weapons, and what he's good at, you're not. So you guys need to work together. But in the mm-hmm. real world, what happens, people kind of start having like um, ego clashes. Right. Character strengths and stuff um, teach people to kind of be able to adjust that. Yeah. You know, what are your weaknesses and what are your strengths, and how can you um, take that and coexist with society? Right. I'm not good at everything, but I, I don't let it bother me when I get around people who are superior to me because mm-hmm. of their character. Superior in terms of what they know. Yeah. Okay. That's where a lot of, um, like, that's like the number one problem. Human dynamics, people's ability to get along with people. Mm. People can't even live together in roommates and stuff. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, it's th- those are character problems. Yeah. You know, so the Army had, well, we, that, that stuff came from the University of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. So in those classes, I, was, I can't cut corners. I have to actually teach it where the curriculum is designed for me to teach. It. Gotcha. So now we're in the, the, the social media world. Everything got to be 15 seconds or else people's attention span is lost. Can't enough. go, yeah. The Army don't buy into that shit. Oh. Excuse my French Army. No, no, no. You know, French is good. Yeah. The you, you, can, you, can, you can say French here. <laughs> it's like I had to, uh, and don't get me wrong, I had to be, it's, I had to be entertaining. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of self-discovery as a teacher in class. I used to give a lot of examples. Because people get bored they fall asleep. They get bored. Yeah, yeah. So I, I had to be animated. I used to like, you know, I'm gonna tell you guys a little bit something about Son Walton. So you guys, so is that where the the your, your the art comes in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that comes into play too. Uh, into that fits into that really well. Yeah. Um, storytelling. The storytelling. Because uh-huh. I used to have to kind of, I used to have to go back and tell stories on um, certain things. Like for me, like I, I struggle with substance abuse. Uh-huh. Not a lot of people know that. They think, they think yo, yo, get it all put together. I didn't know that, man. That's like, like oh, I, I struggle with substance abuse, man. That's why I don't drink. And there's a reason. Mm-hmm. And trust me, I, there was a retrograde of years mm-hmm. that had to happen before I got to where I'm a non-drinker. People think, oh, you just don't drink. You can have one or two. I spent a decade having <laughs> just one or two. 
Right. That didn't work. So when I tell people like I don't drink not one, like I spent a decade studying it. Yeah, you can have the one or two doesn't work for me. No, it don't work. So what works for me is none. None. Yeah. And I can go out to any place and I'd be I'd be fine. I'm not awkward. Right. Because I'm already like I I can kind of fit in, man. I was worse off, man, when I was drinking. I done destroyed a lot of relationships. But a lot of people need to drink in order to have fun. Yeah. So it's the same mechanism for me. We're kind of all off the, the path a little bit, but the same mechanism for me, I think why. Um, I, I have skinny, I was more on the skinny side of my life, which is what propelled me to want to go work out. Right. Because I wanted to put on weight. And so I ate, 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 and that didn't work. And so someone mentioned, oh, you should probably go lift weights. And it turns out that eating and lifting weights go really good, great really good together yeah. <laughs> in terms of building muscle. I didn't even, you know, staying lean because I was lean, but building muscle. Yeah. Oh, I need. I was eating way more than I could ever eat. Um, when um, when I was doing it without lifting weights. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, it's so it's so incredible to me how the little things that you do in your life. There are times where it comes back and play a pivot, pivot to roll into something great. Yeah. You know, like going back to what to you just about your artistic skills played such a great part in the motivational speaking to prevent yeah. these guys from getting bored. So you have to entertain. Yeah, I used to, yeah. you know, being. So a, if you get into acting, you can you can fall right into that really easy. Huh? Uh, I probably so a funny story, man. Like when I got out of the military. I got out April 30th, 2018, so about 44 years ago. And a good friend of mine was an actor here in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Atlanta's this big hub uh, for entertainment. Yeah. And he was 350 pounds. And he said, yo, man, Atlanta's the new Hollywood, but the problem with acting, man, I don't care how good with your monologues and um, your script, it's all aesthetics, man. I don't look the part. Could you help me? I got you. We knew each other since 1980. He was an actor. Yeah. I, um, I'm coming from the Army. Yeah. So he's he wanted to he's look tapping into like his buddy that's coming from the army and like, yo, can you help me? What kind of boot camp stuff y'all used to do? I like, man, I got you. Say less, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, we knew each other since like '87, '88. You know, he went his way. I went to the military, and then now full circle. I got you. I I got him from 350 to like 195. Amazing. It took from 2018, 2019, but we didn't do a lot of running because he was too heavy. People thought he lost all that weight. You must have had him doing like a lot. Like we didn't go to the track like probably once or twice. And yeah. that was after he lost at least 65 pounds. Right, when you start to get a little bit lighter. Mm-hmm. But then he can, yeah, cause that running that heavy is, is no. it's tough. I tough on you. the joints. Yep. Woo. Nutrition plan and um, anaerobic exercises and stuff mm-hmm. through, um, through weights. Uh, through weights. Mm-hmm. And burn them so, up. Burn, man. So fire in that muscle, man. I'll tell you. So yeah. he, he, he started to introduce me to like, um, acting for buddies mm-hmm. and then they was kind of like kind of took a liking to me like yo man like you kind of like fit like kind of like a, a character or something like they give up about acting mm-hmm. meanwhile i'm coming from the military i'm like i'm trying to start my llc fitness mm-hmm. but i'm optimistic i'm looking like let me tap into that for network because when i was a kid you know men everybody was like yo you're a comedian i was all i was art artist i was joining in classes comedy but i didn't take that serious because I wanted to be an artist. Mm-hmm. So full circle, after all this army stuff and I'm back home, it's like, it's kind of like um, the the universe and stuff still kind of like introduced me back to like, kind of like 
the art stuff. It will because if that's your. What I, I wasn't even trying to kind of. I was trying, like I was trying to get away. I was going. I was going to be a weapons instructor. I, I tried like either personal training or weapons, like um, protection stuff. I was going to, but my, you but, know. But the thing passion is, passion is like art. You think you've gone away from it, but you haven't. Yeah. Because acting is more than just going acting. The stuff that you've learned, whether it be weapons and all that stuff can play a pivotal role in your acting because who knows, you might get an acting role to do with weapon or being um, someone, you, you know, an army role. Right. It could be that you get uh, a role in a movie that is our show that you have to speak. Yeah. And the fact that you've had, you, you were able to speak in front of people, that means you could be comfortable behind the camera, which you already are. So all those things were playing something in you're, you know, possibly getting into into show, into movies. You know, I think it's something you should, if if it's something you want to do, you can still do your personal training, do whatever. But it should be something that you might just want to like think about. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, I definitely. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, from a previous conversation we had, you know, sometimes I have to go back um, and revisit this crossroad of like what I'm good at. Mm-hmm. And what I'm passionate and marry him, and I know. Uh, I think you're still on the path of it. Okay, yeah. You're not off the path. You're in Atlanta. That's you're on the path. Yeah. All the things you're doing, you know, pretty whatever, all that, everything in life plays into the role of acting. Yeah. I should I should try to, um, you know, you know, kind of like tap back into that man because, you know, it's funny like. You know, I didn't even try to like, you know, I was just trying to, you know, get clients and I end up getting some gigs on some mm-hmm. studios. I met like Tyler Perry and stuff, man. Yeah, even the fact that you said you love to read, yeah. play a, a really good role because you're going to have to learn, you have to read scripts. And that's a, that's and another thing. what you're doing. So, yo, everything you've done so far has a lot to do with, with acting, acting roles. Yeah, that's something I'd be, you know, thinking about. When I was a kid and a lot of, secret vulnerable stuff I used to say in those classes because people kind of look at me like I kind of got it put together at mm. least when I was in the army because I was in that position of authority mm-hmm. so it's like your presence mm-hmm. but I say I'm going to tell you something like I, I used to have to I, I needed mentors man mm. even me even you yeah even everybody you. needs I need mentors like I don't of course I didn't like psychiatrists have yeah. psychiatrists yeah. they talk to <laughs> Life coaches got life coaches who they talk to. Yeah, yeah. The president got his got somebody who has to advise him. Yep. So everybody gotta have somebody who you know they can talk to or advise them or whatever the case may be. Mine is my wife. Yeah. Um, and I'm hers. Yeah. See, you guys guys got that perfect. um, You know, and and luckily we found it in each other. But if it if it if it wasn't her, and if it wasn't her for me or me for her, we would have to find it through somebody else. Right. But it, you know, it's there. She has other people she talks to as well. Because sometimes a female want to talk to another female. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. And again, even though, and, and even though, yeah, she's, I can talk to her. Sometimes I want to talk to a male. Um, but yeah, you know, we 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 all have to have that. It it helps. It helps. So so yeah. Uh, but you have a, you have all for you man you have all the right makeup for acting personal tra- you know um, personal trainer 
you're 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 a walking school library um and to me you i feel like you always looking to learn um even when we we have our own little talks and stuff you you you're you're curious about learning the things you don't know because you never come off as a guy to me like you know everything you know it all you never presented that that to me um you're willing to listen and learn and you know kind of dig into other perspectives always outside the box but at the same time i find that you know a whole lot of shit too yeah i'm just trying to but life is a life is a thing that you never know everything yeah yeah that's the thing it's just it changes so much and so you just you can't be comfortable even when you think you know something you can't be too comfortable you have to learn to be uncomfortable yeah um not in the sense that it makes your in your body feel uncomfortable but uncomfortable that you want to always strive for something more and more yeah yeah because it i think you and i talked about it like it took me some getting used to uh you know going back to like uh, when i was in the army i was so used to we had these five-year averaging cycles mm-hmm. so the way the army works and stuff you have uh tier years tier one tier year two three up until five so we so I'm so used to putting these calendars, five-year calendars out. And within these calendars, we have every every requirement that needs to happen every fiscal year for five years. Everything is um, budgeted. Everything mm-hmm. is relocated. When I come out here, I don't know what's around the corner in terms of, like, uh, the economy. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't really plan for that. So I have to have a, uh, that's where the, uh, I guess, being uncomfortable part come in at. Right. You know. Right. Yeah, like, absolutely. You know, knowing that okay, I need to protect myself, but not get too comfortable too. You know, you know, uh, so that way I can kind of keep that edge. I want to keep going. Yeah, because when you're comfortable, mm-hmm. it feels final. You feel like okay, I'm I'm good, I'm done. Yeah. There's no growth. You stop growing, and if you stop growing, guess what? You're gonna die. Because yeah. it's what's the purpose of being here? Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, I, I was having a conversation yesterday with a nurse and she talked about being around people who are in the dying stage. And when they decide to like, you know, all right, I'm gonna go now, how they just felt so at peace because it's about letting, they let go. They were ready to move on. They were ready to pass over. And people think that this is like painful or, you know, they're finally money crying their eyes out, blah, 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 blah. But people who die are at peace. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter if it's a, a debt that is, um, that looks, you know, like for instance, someone might get run over by a bus or get gunshot, uh, by, got, die by gunshot. The pain is in the fact that they're still living. But once they hit that line to go to Passover, peace happens. So death is not painful. It's the living that is. But you have to also come to peace, have to come to be at peace with with the living as well yeah in order to be at peace yeah that's that's deep yeah that takes me back to like uh fits like some of the um war years mm-hmm. because you don't know what's around the corner like you can't you can never really get good at it oh no, no so, I, I don't think so uh, yeah you know people kind of stress themselves out where you just should just relax Mm-hmm. Because what's going to happen is going to happen regardless, you know. And I remember like having to switch that mindset 
it kind of was stuck in the own position when I came back over back to the United States. Yeah. You know, but over there, I had compartmentalized it so much that I was kind of devoid. I mean, you guys have to go through a whole lot of psychological crap, man, to, to function. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like... And then you come back to the real world and it's... Yeah. The brain, that's the... You feel like an alien, you know? Yeah, yeah. Going home. Yeah, I had to kind of get used to... I had to, I had to kind of get used to the, um, functioning a little bit. Yeah. Mentally because of the... the uh, you're so ramped up over there. Because that's your element. That's, that's the element. That's your... To keep your you alive. New, the new you. Yeah. And then you come here, none of that is happening. Yeah. So it's like, shit, how do I fit in? Yeah. Yeah. And... A lot of this stuff, man. Like I had, you know. But I, but you fit in, and you're fitting in. Yeah. Because you stay curious. Yeah. That's the that's the key. Cause and I, that's what I was talking about. You know, it has helped you out in so many ways. Yeah, I was thinking when you were saying that. I was like, man, because I always, and I kind of, I do I do a lot of this stuff for that person that's just in the room. I just say, in the room, and they just feel like, out there is dangerous. Mm-hmm. I don't belong nowhere other than here because I'm comfortable. Yeah. So I, I, I do this for those kind of people. Yeah. You know because they don't, they've lost the curiosity element to know that they can go outside and continue to kind of right. face things without um, feeling like feeling they're afraid. inadequate. Right. Feeling afraid because mm-hmm. I, I was talking to a, a buddy the other day. You know, another veteran guy. You know, just kind of like. Just some reassurance stuff, mm-hmm. and and um, I can kind of see it in his eyes and stuff that he kind of struggling with some stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I told him like, you know, I always use that 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 mythology of the you know, your life is built on uh, house cars. Mm-hmm. You know, you got the the foundation is with your valuable cars, the kings and the ace of spades and all that. You know, you build your foundation with them joints, and then you got all the the clubs and all that stuff at the top, man. But I said, whatever habits that you got, whatever whatever company you keep, or whatever trigger that happens, is going to take away um, one of the cars, and your house is going to fall down. It's probably going to be one of your high cars. It's going to be the valuable foundation. Like, you can lose things in threes. You can lose your freedom. Because I was on par for losing my freedom. Mm-hmm. I gone. Mm-hmm. What if I go out and tee on someone? Yes, yeah. Your freedom, your livelihood, you get fired. From your job. Mm-hmm. You can lose your life. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And I was looking at like sometimes like the, the high power who's governing whatever it is that you're supposed to kind of be doing out here is going to warn you. There's going to be writers on the wall and your, your your warning may be in the form of someone in your circle. Right. Or it can be you, but he may just give you, okay, I'm up. you're going to lose your girlfriend. Right. You're going to get a divorce, but you're still alive. Mm. You know, uh, wow. but if you don't see the writers on the wall, then you're just going to, that plug can be pulled. Perish. And you can lose your freedom. Like you don't want to wait until you're doing twenty years to finally get it. Some people do. Yeah. But if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. Yeah. So you know, you like you, you're saying that you see the writing, writing on the wall. You ignore them. You see more writings. You ignore them. And then finally, you keep going deep, deep, deep until you can't go anymore. You reach the bottom, and it's the worst that you can ever be. And then you finally get it. You know. Yep. That's exactly right. So some people have to get to that level have to unfortunately unfortunately but yeah and some people can see it quickly yeah which one are you which one are you going to be and whoever you know is experiencing that has to figure that out yeah you know 
figure that out. And if they don't figure it out, eventually if you go to the bottom, that's where the last person you can be without losing your life, then eventually you will, you will, you will lose your life. But even if you get to that point either, it's it's fine. It's fine, yeah. You can you get to come back, come and, back. and redo it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, you get it's, to come back and redo it. So it's, it's cool. Um, I'm glad to have you on the show. And um, definitely, you know, as I tell all my guests, we, we definitely have to do this again. Yeah. Um, I just thank you for being here, man, and, and sharing your stories. And um, I wish you the best of luck in your endeavors and being the best trainer possible and getting the most amazing clients. Um, and whatever other career path that you choose, blessings, man, 100%. No doubt, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, just grab life by the balls, man, and just have fun. You gotta have fun in the process, like I told you before. Yeah. Do not give up joy just because you're trying to find your way. Hold on to joy, and the, f and the way will be presented to you. We'll do, man. Is there always. anything you want to say to the people, my listeners? Uh, just pretty much remember it's all in, 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 your, in your mindset. If you're trying to lose X amount of weight, because you're trying to fit in that dress, if you're trying to get that master's degree, if you're trying to do whatever, just understand like everybody had to go through some form of adversity and it's gonna be dependent upon like your level of resilience, uh, resiliency, to what it be, you'd be able to kind of traverse that wall that's gonna be there, because it's always gonna be there. And just always remember like, man, you, you can do it. And fitness is, is one of the um, primitive and premier accountability models that I live by that's consistent for everybody. It keeps you accountable because you have to always be driven to even put the first step into the gym and the results is gonna come the more consistent, consistent you are, you know? The facts are there, there's no hacks to it, you know, so. No magic pill. No magic pill, yeah. Everybody's timeline is different. Enjoy the journey of it. Yep, enjoy the journey. And a part of that journey is going to be pain, the good pain, yeah, you know. It's good pain, bad pain. And just and just enjoy life, man. I definitely appreciate uh, the just the humble um, to even be here. Just had the opportunity to come here, especially the Fit 360. It's bigger than the gym, man. It's a movement. Though. It's a movement, yeah, man. The guys like the like literally like the only people that feel like family, like mentors, man, and the whole nine, you yeah. know. And I've been to a couple other places and stuff before here, man, but this. This is the only place that that has a well-rounded wealth of knowledge. Life know. continues here. Yes, sir. Bro. Hey. It's good to have hey, you, man. Good, good Appreciate to you, man. Coming through, man. No doubt, right. man.